Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. And let's see here. Today is Sunday. It's 11 October 2020. Time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And we got a couple of new people that showed up today. I know I've forgotten your names. It's Steve and Sue. Is that right? Steve and Sue. And then your brother, Doug. Okay. And they are here uh, from Sarasota, except Doug, who's from um, Orlando. But uh, they're just checking out the church. And so I'll try to not, you know, throw anything at anybody or make too much of an embarrassment about myself. But um, uh, let's see here. We also have some visitors who have been here, I think, the third, maybe the fourth time now. And it's uh, Bill and... Sess, who are sitting up in the second to the back row, and then we have Chuck, and his wife is not here, Karen. They're all from Ohio, and they are the ones that I just went up to see a week and a half ago, and now they've come down here for more punishment. So it's good to have you all here. And yeah, they missed me, they said. I don't believe that for the life of me. I think they want the cool or the uh, nice blue weather here in Sarasota. But it's good to have you guys here. It's so nice to uh, share with you. They're the ones that took me down to the Creation Museum. They took me down to the Ark Encounter. And as I said, if you get a chance to go, go. I'm not one to do touristy stuff, and this was not done in a touristy way. They're very well laid out. Everything is beautiful. Uh, The next day we went to the Air Force Museum, which was a highlight of mine because uh, I love Air Force history. I was in the Air Force for nine years, four months, and 15 days, and a little too long, but I loved every bit of it. And uh, so thank you guys for that. It meant a lot to me. Uh, right, Pat. Yes, in Ohio. I so, oh, good deal. He was back there in '73. All right. Well, our first category as oh wait a minute, I got one more thing that I'd like to announce is that uh, before we get into our first category, and this does not apply to the people online, except that if you want one of these online, then uh, you can order one. Send me an email, and I'll tell you how to get them. But this is if you can get the symbolism. It's a sheep with a mask on. Okay. <laughs> And uh, I got one for myself, and I ordered a second for somebody at the church who gets a question right at the end of the service today. So if you uh, know your Bible partly well, you'll be able to get that. I made it an easy question. And um, I was actually going to ask, what is the significance of this week? And I decided not to do it because it's not really biblical so much as it's something else dealing around the Bible. Does anybody know what the significance of this week is? October, today is the 11th. Exclamation. Uh, no, that's over. What? Circus? The what? Circus? No. No. This week. Jewish holiday. Oh, that ended. Sukkot is what you're thinking of, but that uh, that ended two days ago. This Trump's week, from the 11th. Stopped. The what? Trump's COVID is over. Yeah, Trump's COVID is over. That's wrong as well. Okay, I'm going to have to tell you. I'm going to have to tell you. That's my mom over there being uh, Trump supporting. It is the seventh anniversary of us being in this church as of Tuesday. The 13th of October, we moved into this building of 2013. And so seven years, and I had actually forgotten that until uh, Bob online sent me that. So I want to thank Bob for sending me that because it kind of went right over my head. But we've now been in this building for seven years after several years out on the beach before that. So good stuff. But that was going to be your question. I thought, I'm not going to do that. I'll give you a Bible question for the the uh, sheep shirt, but uh, there you go. Okay, our first category, as always, is Israel. 
and from the Times of Israel. Israeli Navy prepares for arrival of new upgraded warships. Now, this is kind of an interesting thing. Israel's Navy is preparing for the long-awaited arrival of its next-gen missile boats, giving it a powerful new tool to develop its strategic natural gas industry from the threat of Lebanon's Hezbollah. The first missile boat of Project Magen is scheduled to arrive by early December. Does anybody know what Magen means in Hebrew? Think of the wine Magen David. Star of David. Okay, so it means star is scheduled to arrive by early December, with three more of the German-made Corvettes scheduled to arrive over the next two years. The vessels commonly known as the Saar 6 will be at the forefront of Israeli efforts to produce its 200-mile exclusive economic zone. The natural gas industry is at the heart of those efforts. Over a decade after finding sizable reserves off its Mediterranean coast, Israel now generates some 60% of its electricity from natural gas and has begun to export gas to its Arab neighbors, Jordan and Egypt, which we've been reporting on over the past year and a half. Israel is also pursuing a project with Greece and Cyprus in hopes of creating an eastern Mediterranean gas pipeline to Europe. With so much at stake, Hezbollah has identified Israeli gas installations as high-priority targets. Lieutenant Colonel Etan Paz, the flotilla commander, said the new vessels would bring a welcome upgrade to the aging R-5s, which are nearly 30 years old. He said they would be equipped with newer and more powerful radar and other electronic systems and handle rough seas much better than their predecessors. The 95-foot vessels are equipped with rocket and missile defense systems, anti-aircraft and anti-ship missiles, torpedoes, and upgraded launching pad for Israel's newest attack helicopters. So they're little weapons of war being out in the Mediterranean Sea protecting Israel from Hezbollah. From Jerusalem Post... Ahead of the election, growing number of U.S. Jews consider leaving. Now, this is good because these are liberals and we don't mind if they leave. So by 11.42 a.m. on the morning after Donald Trump refused to condemn white supremacists during the presidential debate, which is actually untrue, Heather Segal had received four inquiries from Americans interested in moving to Canada. Go ahead and chip out. Two of them were Jewish. Segal, an immigration lawyer in Toronto, knows there's always a spike in inquiries during U.S. election years. But in her 25 years, it's never been as big as it is now. In 2016, she said she received a couple dozen inquiries from Americans looking to move to Canada. This year, she gets six or seven inquiries every day, and most of them are from Jews. In my life, I've never seen what I'm seeing. She said she hears the same fears from one Jewish American after another. What they echo to me, we've seen this before. I'm not going to get stuck. I'm not going to get caught. We know how this goes. You know, and this is complete projection from the left because it's not the right that wants the Jews killed other than some wackos on the extreme right. But, you know, whatever. There is going to be a civil war. It's going to be the end of democracy. I'm very concerned for our future. I don't want to wait and see what happens. Okay, well, the only reason why there would be an end of democracy in this country is not because of the people on the right. That's for sure. From the Times of Israel, Cuomo order some New York schools, mostly in orthodox areas, closed amid virus surge. Fox Cuomo warns New York City religious institutions could be shut down for coronavirus violations. From the Times of Israel, orthodox Jews bristle at New York City's selective response to virus surge. From a YouTube post, Oi Revolt! Orthodox Jews in Brooklyn protest de Blasio's anti-Semitism, some carrying Trump 
Pence flags. Now imagine that, New York Jews carrying Trump Pence flags, but they've had enough. They understand who is causing these problems. And it, yeah, some of them may have canceled their Canadian trip. They, they are finally realizing who is not on their side. Anyway, from Christian News, from Breitbart. Pope Francis calls, and you may have read this. If you have, that's fine. But the people that don't watch these things and monitor them, it's important to know what's going on. Pope Francis calls for giving United Nations organization real teeth. Pope Francis makes his best case for multilateralism in a new teaching letter, calling for more authority for supranational organizations like the United Nations. The 21st century is witnessing a weakening of the power of nation states, chiefly because of the economic and financial sectors being transnational tend to prevail over the political. The Pope writes in the encyclical letter Fratelli Tutti, which I call Fruity Tutti. <laughs> Given this situation, it is essential to devise stronger and more efficiently organized international institutions with functionaries who are appointed fairly by agreement among national governments and empowered to impose sanctions. When we talk about the possibility of some form of world authority regulated by law, we need not necessarily think of a personal authority. Still, such an authority ought at least to promote more effective world organizations equipped with the power to provide for the global common good, the elimination of hunger and poverty, and the sure defense of fundamental human rights. Among the possible candidates for such a role, the Pope turns his attention to the United Nations, with which he enjoys close ties. In this regard, I would also note the need for a reform of the United Nations and likewise of economic institutions and international finance. You can see everything he's talking about, one world government. He wants a one world religion, which he's been working on in other areas. And now he's talking about one world monetary system, all in one article. So that the concept of the family of nations can acquire real teeth. Needless to say, this calls for clear legal limits to avoid power being co-opted only by a few countries and to prevent cultural impositions or a restriction of the basic freedoms of weaker nations on the basis of ideological differences. The work of the United Nations can be seen as the development and promotion of the rule of law based on the realization that justice is an essential condition for achieving the idea of universal fraternity. The 75 years since the establishment of the United Nations and the experience of the first 20 years of this millennium have shown that the full application of international norms proves truly effective and that failure to comply with them is detrimental. The Charter of the UN is an obligatory reference point of justice and a channel of peace, and thus there can be no room for disguising false intentions or placing the partisan interests of one country or group above the global common good. In essence, get rid of all of the lower level governments, make sure that the money goes to the poor people in the world, and we'll have one world government that monitors all of this, and it'll be kumbaya for everybody. From NPR, same thought, but from their perspective. Pope Francis laments failures of market capitalism and blueprint for post-COVID world. So look at what they're saying in relation to what he has just put forth. It's the left that is hailing this and saying how good it is. So you can see that nothing good will ever come of this. Pope Francis has presented his blueprint for a post-COVID-19 world, covering a vast number of issues from fraternity and income equality to immigration and social injustice. And then from Reuters, same article, different source, Pope says free market trickle-down policies fail 
society. Pope Francis said that the COVID-19 pandemic was the latest crisis to prove that market forces alone and trickle-down economic policies had failed to produce the social benefits their proponents claim. Now, that is completely untrue because when Ronald Reagan came in with this trickle-down policies, we know, what was his name, Kennedy said that a rising tide floats all boats, okay? What happens is we elect somebody in, the economy starts to come up, and then they decide to elect in the left, and the economy gets destroyed, and the right comes back in and builds it up again. And so we never have it the way it should be in the society because the American people are fickle, and they keep voting for people based on how good-looking they are, like me, instead of, you know, having a, a somebody that is going to be reasonable in their economic policies. Now, obviously, we had somebody like George W. Bush that went in, and he was elected, and he didn't do anything. He had a great opportunity with a Republican Congress, the House and Senate, and he didn't do anything with it. So it's not always that case, but there you go with that. All right, so we have um, uh, in an encyclical on the theme of human fraternity, Francis also said private property cannot be considered an absolute right in all cases where some live extravagantly while others had nothing. So they're coming after private property, starting with the really rich, and then pretty soon they're going to say that private property is out Okay, but this is the start of that, and this is exactly what the Bible is saying is coming for us, is that there's going to be a one-world government, there's going to be a one-world religion, and there's going to be a one-world monetary system, and this is the man that is at least getting it in motion. Okay, now that's not to say, and somebody asked this on Facebook a day ago, that uh, uh, do you think Pope Francis is the false prophet? Okay. I think he's probably too old for that because I don't know if he's going to make it through a seven-year tribulation period or not, but he is setting the stage. If it's not him, the next guy will come in and he will maybe be the guy. So he is setting the stage for this, even if it is not him personally. Okay, and a category mistake people often make is that they call the Pope the Antichrist. Okay. That's not right. The Antichrist is a governmental person that is going to align with the false doctrine of the Vatican, which says that Jesus is not deity. The definition of Antichrist is denying the deity of Jesus Christ. That is what an Antichrist is. Uh, John makes that clear in 1 John and in 2 John. So that's the definition of an Antichrist. Whoever this Pope is, whether it's this one or the next one, they will support that, and the Antichrist will come in and use that for the uniting of all of the religions, and then we'll have the false prophet who says he's Christian by name, and which he will not be. So you've got the false prophet on this side, you've got the Antichrist on this side, and they're not the same person. That's, there's a difference. So, big league politics. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, deep state, is working with deep church to transform Catholic church into spiritual arm of new world order. So somebody right in their ranks understands what is going on. He references major Catholic bishops in the U.S. who seem to have at least implicitly endorsed Joe Biden, a staunchly pro-abortion Democrat. The U.S. is witnessing the highest levels and centers of cultural influence of the American Catholic Church shamelessly siding in favor of the Democrat candidate and more generally in favor of the entire apparatus that has been consolidating in recent decades within the public administration. The deep state, Trump's sworn enemy, is joined by a deep church that spares no criticisms and accusations against the incumbent president while winking indecorously with Biden and BLM, slavishly following the narration imposed by the mainstream. It matters little that Trump is openly pro-life and defends the non-negotiable principles that the Democrats have renounced. 
The important thing is to transform, this is his words, the RCC into the spiritual arm of the new world order. So as to have an imprimatur from the highest moral authority in the world, which is obviously not true, but that's what they think he is. Vigano goes on to rebuke nominally Catholic left-wing American politicians for their support of far-left anti-Christian political causes. Protean Gentiloni, I guess, in Italy, and we would also add Premier Conti, given his origin and his education, have their counterparts on the American side in so-called Catholic personalities like Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Andrew Cuomo. All of them proudly support abortion and gender indoctrination, and all of them are proudly in favor of the Antifa and BLM movements that are setting American cities on fire. Vigano also points to the abandonment of the Chinese Catholic community. He identifies a recent agreement between the Vatican and the communist Chinese government, which I talked about a year or so ago, lauding Secretary of State Pompeo for condemning the Democrat Party's support for abortion and the violation of the most basic human rights in China. Consider the Trump admin to have no right to interfere in an agreement that has obvious repercussions in the international political balance. So there you go with that. It's one of those things that they're holding a double standard. They're saying you can't say it, but he can't say it and blah, blah, blah. So from YouTube again, this is kind of an irony. Maybe I should have put it under the irony section, but kind of tickles me. Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry has 123 confirmed cases of COVID. So there you go. Heal yourself, physician. From Islam today, I call this pieces of the puzzle. From Israel Hayom. Egypt, Jordan, and Iraq, another Middle East axis, is in the making. Egyptian, and once again, where would this have not come from otherwise? It would not have come if our president was not there and getting these things lined up to protect Israel so that when Gog Magog happens, these people will not be a part of it. And we know they're not a part because none of those. Now, there is one player in this, Egypt, Jordan, and Iraq. They're thinking of an axis together. Now, Several years ago, it was kind of curious that Iraq was not mentioned in Gog Magog, and yet here we have Saddam Hussein in there, and you're like, well, how can that be? Because he hates Israel and he wants to destroy him. And then all of a sudden, it looked like maybe Iraq would be a part of the Persian Empire. And so because of that, they're under the umbrella of Persia coming against Israel. Well, maybe now they're not coming against them at all. We don't know. All we can do is make our best guess, but Iraq is not mentioned specifically as coming against Israel. That's one thing we know. So are they going to be a part of the Persians coming against Israel, or are they going to make an alliance with Egypt and Jordan? Okay, that's the big question. But either way, Iraq is not mentioned as coming against Israel. So this may be it here, and that's why this is an important argument. Egyptian President el-Sisi and Iraqi Prime Minister al-Kadimi held a summit meeting with King Abdullah II of Jordan in Amman on August 25th. So it's been a little while ago, and they're starting to see the results of it. This was 11 days after President Trump announced the normalization of relations between the UAE and Israel. It was also less than a week after Kadimi's maiden visit to Washington to meet President Trump. This trilateral meeting was the third such since March 2019. 
As part of their desire to institutionalize the trilateral alignment, the leaders in Amman established an executive secretariat with an annually rotating headquarters. The summit covered the gamut of regional and trilateral affairs, with economic and infrastructure issues seemingly preponderant. On political issues, the three countries stressed their support for an independent, sovereign Palestinian state. Obviously, they're all still working on that, but that's down the road a bit, with East Jerusalem as its capital. And the need to stop Israeli steps towards annexation and the alteration of the historical and legal status quo in Jerusalem. So nothing's changed there. They also underlined the need to increase efforts to achieve political solutions for the crises in the region, especially, here it is, in Libya, Syria, and Yemen and discussed Ethiopia's Grand Renaissance Dam project and the threat to the water security and rights of Egypt and Sudan, which they defined as an integral part of Arab national security, spoke of fostering political and security cooperation and the importance of combined efforts to face challenges to stability and security in the region, especially foreign interventions aimed at destabilizing Arab security. Who are they talking about? Okay, because these are all Arabs and they are Sunnis, whereas the Persians are not Arabs and they are Shiites. Okay, so you know what they're talking about without saying it specifically. All right, it's aimed at destabilizing Arab security and foreign interference in the Arab internal affairs. Turkey's role in North Africa and Syria was a major issue of discussion. And once again, Libya is being infiltrated by Turkey. Turkey is down there doing that. Turks are not Arabs as well. So you've got everything that's said in the Bible to be forming up the way that the Bible says in the world today. So there you go. Times of Israel. Former Saudi spy chief. Palestinian leaders have been failures for 70 years. Now this is a guy that used to support their cause implicitly and explicitly all around the world. And now he's saying they're failures. Bin Sultan served as the Saudi ambassador in Washington for over 30 years, as well as in several high-level intel positions after his return to Riyadh. In scathing statements on Al-Arabiya, so he's saying this openly, a 40-minute lecture complete with archival footage, Bin Sultan discussed the history of Saudi-Palestinian relations. He harshly criticized the Palestinian leadership for what he deemed to be repeated missed opportunities to reach an accord with Israel and for taking Saudi aid while ignoring Saudi political counsel. I believe that we in Saudi Arabia, acting on our goodwill, have always been there for them. Whenever they ask for advice and help, we would provide them with both without expecting anything in return. But they would take the help and ignore the advice. They then would fail and turn back to us again. And we would support them again, regardless of their mistakes. We even, here it is, went further as a state and justified to the whole world the actions of the Palestinians. Well, we knew that they indeed were not justified but we did not wish to stand with anyone against them. The ex-Spy Chief's remarks reflect growing public disenchantment with the Palestinian leadership in Saudi Arabia, as well as warming ties between the kingdom and the Jewish state. Another interesting development right there. From Reuters, Saudi business leader urges boycott of goods from hostile Turkey. So here we have another thing going on. We've got Saudi Arabia, once again, not coming against Israel and Gog Magog. We've got Turkey, who we know is coming, and now they're talking about stopping any trade between the two. The head of Saudi Arabia's Chamber of Commerce, this is not governmental, this is, you know, a business, it's not governmental, but the head of Saudi Arabia's Chamber of Commerce has called for a 
boycott of Turkish products amid merchants' reports that animosity between Ankara and Riyadh is hindering the flow of goods between the two regional powers. Saudi Arabia and Turkey have been at odds for some years over foreign policy and attitudes towards Islamist political groups. This year, the two countries blocked some of each other's news websites. A boycott of everything Turkish, be it imports, investment, or tourism, is the responsibility of every Saudi trader and consumer, he says. In response to the continued hostility of the Turkish government against our leadership, country, and citizens. Businessman Ajlan Al-Ajlan said on Twitter, once again, out in the open, these people are saying these things. The Saudi Chambers of Commerce is a non-government group of private sector business individuals. From the Times of Israel. You probably saw this. If not, it's very interesting. Jerusalem is our city. Turkey's Erdogan declares. The issue of Jerusalem is not an ordinary geopolitical problem for us. First of all, the current physical appearance of the old city, which is the heart of Jerusalem, was built by Suleiman the Magnificent with its walls, bazaar, and many buildings. Our ancestors showed their respect for centuries by keeping this city in high esteem. The Palestinian people have been living in Jerusalem for thousands of years, he says, but they were occupied and had their rights violated, the Turkish leader went on. So he is making an absolute claim over Jerusalem right now. All right, from Mongolia today, from the Superior Word News Services, U.S. Secretary of State Pompeo nixes Mongolia visit. He was supposed to go this week. He didn't go. Secretary of State Pompeo visited Japan earlier in the week, but he did not go to either South Korea or Mongolia as was originally scheduled. This happened after President Trump was diagnosed and hospitalized with the Kung flu. From Daniel 12 Technology today. This is a great article here. From Daniel 12 Technology, New Atlas. Gryphon Technologies to develop nuclear rocket engine for DARPA. Pretty cool. DARPA has awarded a $14 million contract to Gryphon Technologies engineering firm to develop and demonstrate a nuclear rocket engine for the agency's Draco program. The HSA low enriched uranium nuclear thermal propulsion system will allow the U.S. military to carry out missions in cislunar space. Now try reading that sentence out loud 20 times fast, okay? The single greatest limitation in space travel is the propulsion system. On Earth, it's possible to create motors that have a very high payload ratio so one can, in the words of an early aviator, make a tea tray fly by putting enough power behind it. However, getting into space requires such high velocities and such high energies that engineers are forced to use very large engines and huge amounts of fuel to put very small payloads into orbit. Once in space, there are essentially two options. One is to use chemical rockets, but these have largely reached their theoretical limits when it comes to thrust, or eclectic propulsion systems that produce very small thrust for very long periods of time. As far back as 1945, it was recognized that there was a third option, which is to harness the power of the atom to produce a rocket that is more powerful than its chemical counterparts. The problem has been to create a practical design that produces enough thrust to warrant the investment. For the Draco program, DARPA is looking at the NTP to power spacecraft beyond the Earth's atmosphere out to just beyond the orbit of the moon. 
The idea is that a nuclear reactor would heat a propellant such as hydrogen to extreme temperatures, resulting in thrusts that would be 10,000 times that of an electric engine and up to five times the efficiency of a chemical rocket. According to DARPA, Draco is being moved forward on two tracks. Track A is to develop the reactor system and track B is to produce an operational system. For the present contract, Gryphon will look at developing a HALEU propulsion system that uses nuclear fuel made from recycled civilian reactor fuel that has been reprocessed and enriched to between 5 and 20%. Greater than that of civilian reactors and less than that of naval reactors. The result will be a reactor core that will be small, produces less waste, have a longer core life and greater efficiency, making it more suitable for use in space than previous designs. A successfully demonstrated NTP system will provide a leap ahead in space propulsion capability, allowing agile and rapid transit over vast distances as compared to present propulsion approaches. So going nuclear with it, the idea is, and this doesn't mean that they're going to have it to get out of the atmosphere. They may or may not go that route. But the idea is that once you're out of the atmosphere, you can use this to go on and on and on at very high thrusts. As I said, there's two different types of thrusts that they have for that right now. One is an electric, which is very low power, but it goes for a long time. The other one is chemical, which is very high power, but you need a lot of fuel and it burns out very quickly. So this is something that will take care of that and get you, you know, to where no man has gone before. All right. Revelation plagues today from watchers. At least 40 dead and 2 million tons of rice are destroyed as Jigawa sees its worst flood in 32 years in Nigeria. Officials could not get the exact number of farmlands and houses that were destroyed by the flood, but said the damage is unprecedented. Due to the massive loss of rice, officials feared that the situation may worsen the country's food insufficiency and lead to a further price hike. They're already suffering in Nigeria, and now they've got this thrown on top of it. From Zero Hedge, out of control, super pig population is spreading rapidly across the United States. I don't know if you knew this. It's been going on. It was very bad in Texas, and they went out and said, anybody that wants to shoot these pigs, just shoot them all you want. Shoot all day long, shoot these pigs. But they are still growing out of control, and it's going over the whole United States. The U.S. wild pig population is rapidly increasing across the country, which has been characterized as a ticking feral swine bomb. I've heard it referred to as a feral swine bomb. Dale Nolte, manager of the National Feral Swine Damage Management Program at the USDOA, said, imagine having that title, the National Feral Swine Damage Management Program. Okay, they multiply so rapidly to go from 1,000 to 2,000, it's not a big deal. But if you've got a million, it doesn't take long to get 4 million and then to 8 million. Feral swine have caused significant damage to property, agriculture, meaning crops and livestock, native species and ecosystems with an estimated damage cost of upwards of $2.5 billion per year. And if that's the case and they double next year, then it'll be $5 billion, et cetera, et cetera. The hogs have a reputation for carrying at least 30 viral and bacterial diseases and at least 40 parasites. Now remember when it says in Revelation, they were killed by the beasts of the earth. This is not speaking about animals coming and eating people. It's talking about the diseases that they carry, plus the diseases that we make from animals, like, you know, equine encephalitis and typhoid and all these things that we're developing vaccines for that actually make things worse at times. So you can see how quickly the world could go into huge plagues 
because of things like this, rats in some countries and etc. Okay, so we'll go on. Uh, Ryan Brook, a University of Saskatchewan biologist who researches feral pigs, estimates these highly invasive species will occupy 386 thousand square miles across the country by the end of 2020, which is a couple months away. At the moment, the hogs are expanding at about 35,000 square miles per year. Brooks said many of the wild pigs are a crossbreed between domestic ones and European wild boar. The problem with the hybrids is you get all of the massive benefits of all of that genetics. It creates what we'd call super pigs. According to Nolte, these super pigs are highly intelligent and have a good sense of smell, along with a shield of bone up to two inches thick around their shoulders, which offers some protection against small caliber bullets. At least 1.5 million of these hogs roam Texas, according to Texas Parks and Wildlife. These pigs have four tusks and are brown and black color once they mature. They can weigh between 75 and 250 pounds on average and run up to 30 miles an hour. Those are super pigs, all right. Wow. So keep your eye out because they are expanding all around the country. I've been hearing about them for years. but friend, Lakewood Ranch. She couldn't walk today because she was a wild We just had somebody today that w- couldn't go outside of her house because we have a feral pig at Lakewood Ranch. You're from Lakewood Ranch, so watch yourself when you go home today. Don't be eaten by a feral pig, okay? All right, from morality today, Mail Online says, U.S. Navy SEALs go gender neutral. References to brotherhood and man are removed from its official ethos to include more gender neutral terms such as warrior and citizen. Changes were also made in the Special Warfare Combatant Crewman Creed. The SEAL ethos now reads, I am that warrior. It had read, I am that man. Another states, common citizens instead of common man. And brave men has been amended to read brave SEALs. In the SWCC, Creed Brotherhood was switched to a group of maritime warriors. The move sparked fury from ex-SEAL Eddie Gallagher, who called it a joke. Next article, American Military News. Trump tweets he is overturning new Navy SEAL gender neutral ethos, calls it ridiculous. Good job, President Trump. We want to make sure that we vote. Go to the voting polls and do your job and vote for President Trump as a good citizen should do. And I understand that some people don't want to hear about politics, but you got the wrong church. Okay? (laughs) From Golos. California requires companies to introduce diversity to their boards. This is California requiring this now. Starting next year, California-based public companies are expected to diversify their boards in terms of race, ethnicity, and sexual and gender identity. The law, signed into law by Governor Newsom, requires companies to have at least one underrepresented on board by the end of 2021 and at least two or three by the end of 2022 depending on the number of the board. Underrepresented people are defined by law as people who identify themselves as. They don't have to be, but you identify yourselves as black. So now I could be black and I could say I want a job on a board because I'm Black Charlie, okay? So you can be black, African-American, Hispanic, Asian, Pacific Islander, Native American, Hawaiian, or Alaskan Native. I want to be an Alaskan Native today. I'm going to go identify as an Alaskan Native, okay? Or you can be gay, lesbian, bisexual, or transgender. So any of those, and you qualify, and you get put on a board, okay? From Zero Hedge. 
Netflix indicted over lewd visual material depicting child in cuties. I'm glad that they did that. I don't know if you heard that. I think most people probably did, but it's very good that they've indicted these people. They need to be charged and they need to be in prison for what they've done. If you have not seen it, I clicked on the clip because the guy said, I can't post this on my website because I'm afraid at some point I will be charged with child pornography, but here's the link. And I thought it can't be that bad. So I went to the link. I watched about three seconds of it and that was all I could take. These children being, it's horrifying, horrifying. All right. Our other category. Now, before I give you our other category, we talked about the Temple Mount earlier in a couple of articles. Sergio and Rhoda have come out with a new video. Okay. It's their final one of the season. It is outstanding. It is on the Temple Mount. It is about the history of the Temple Mount. It's got some finds that were made at the Temple Mount that are never reported on that you will want to know about. So please go to Sergio and Rhoda in Israel, click on that, and then it'll be the top video and take a gander. You will really enjoy that video. Okay, from the Gateway Pundit, 11th Circuit Court overturns Democrat attempts to steal Georgia. This is the sixth legal win for the GOP and election integrity this week alone. They are doing everything they can to steal this election, and the courts are at least right now siding for the right. Okay, we did have one loss that I saw yesterday, but that's seven in a week, or was that six total? Six. Okay, it's six total. Understand that if we didn't have Trump in the office right now, he would not have appointed many, many, many judges, and this would have been a goner already. But we've had a guy that has protected this nation for four years. We can pray, every one of us, that our president will be reelected. Because if not, if they win, I will tell you something. I was disheartened after reading this article. Real clear politics is the one that pegged the election in 2016. They pegged that Trump would win. Everybody else was wrong, okay? Real clear politics came out and said that Biden is going to win. They are going to get the House and the Senate, okay? If that happens, their 100-day agenda will completely, completely ruin this nation. I want you to know that in advance, okay? You need to pray, you need to pray, and you need to pray, and you need to vote. Because if that doesn't happen, I got a friend that I've just defriended from my life because he's been belligerent about Trump. And I told him the last time he emailed, I said, don't email me about him. We'll be Christian friends together, but don't email me about this because you are on the wrong side of this. We have murderers, murderers on the left in this nation, killing babies up until the day that they are come out of the womb. That cannot be condoned. I don't care how bad Trump is in your eyes. If you don't vote for President Trump, you are giving your vote to the left to murder human babies. That's all there is to it. So I want you to understand that I will have nothing with somebody belittling the president. All I said is don't, don't email about him and we can be friends forever. And he just kept doing it. And I said, don't ever email me again. I'm not going to take it in my life. National Review. Supreme Court sides with GOP reinstate South Carolina's ballot witness requirement. The Supreme Court reinstated a requirement that South Carolina residents who cast their votes by mail must get a witness to sign their ballots after lower courts had suspended a requirement, saying it would increase the threat of spreading the coronavirus. Yeah. Republicans have argued that the witness requirement will serve as a safeguard against voter fraud, while Democrats push to suspend the requirement amid the pandemic. Roughly a dozen states require mail-in ballot envelopes to be signed by one or more witnesses on a notary. Nothing wrong with that. While a lawsuit over the issue proceeds, the court orders set aside the lower court ruling that had suspended that requirement, effectively reinstating the mandate. 
The high court granted an exception for ballots cast before the stay and received within two days. Voting has already begun in the state with more than 200,000 ballots having been mailed and 18,000 returned, according to the state's election commission. They are trying to steal this election, and I fear that they are going to steal this election. I just don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to be disheartened because if we lose and these people take over and this nation turns into a pervert palace, we deserve it. Okay? Keep your eyes on Jesus and don't let your heart get down because of what's coming on this world. Jesus is our answer. Whenever he comes, we don't know when he's coming, but he is the answer and everything else is eyewash. Okay? But we have to do our parts in the process. Please. From Zero Hedge, migrant caravan blows through Guatemalan border. I don't know if you heard about this towards the U.S. Around 1,000 migrants began walking last Wednesday from northern Honduras toward the Guatemalan border. Now, why do you think this is happening? When do you think that they were scheduled to arrive? That's right. Right during the elections to once again, like they did in 2016, embarrass the president or the candidate at the time and to show how compassionate the left is. But here we go. We'll finish this article and don't get disturbed. Just wait till the next article. Hoping to reach the U.S. for better living conditions as coronavirus paralyzed Central America's economy. By Thursday of last week, Al Jazeera reports the caravan of migrants had crossed the border from Honduras without proper documentation on their path to the United States. George Soros or whoever it is is down there funding these things. They want them to bring these people up to embarrass the elections. Here we go. CBS. Guatemala turns around the U.S.-bound migrant caravan from Honduras. Yes, Guatemala has sent back almost, it went up to 3,500 Honduran migrants from a caravan that was heading to the U.S. over concerns they might spread COVID-19. President Alejandro, or however you pronounce that, Giamate, said, the migrants have become a hot-button issue for political conservatives in the United States, including President Trump's base. Mr. Trump, who is seeking a second term in November 3rd election, has threatened Mexico with steep tariffs, and he also told these other nations like Guatemala, we will pull all of your funding if you don't keep these people out. And they have been complying, and they did it again, because they know that if he wins and they let them up there, they are out of money. Now, as soon as Trump is out of office, if he is voted out, this is all going to start again, and they have, you wait till you hear the Democrat platform agenda concerning this. You won't believe it, but here we go. Um... He's been threatening Mexico with steep tariffs if it does not do more to stop a surge of undocumented migrants. And it's been working. It's been working. From Zero Hedge, Venezuela's oil industry may never recover. Despite, you know, they have the most oil reserves on this planet. Not Saudi Arabia, not, you know, any other place. Venezuela. They should be one of the richest countries on this planet And because they went socialist, they're getting what they voted for. That's what's going to happen to the U.S. if we do this. Despite President Maduro's claims of a looming recovery for Venezuela's economically crucial oil industry in early 2020, production, it keeps declining. Even measures aimed at revitalizing the industry and circumventing U.S. sanctions are failing to trigger any sustainable recovery. According to the latest OPEC monthly oil market report, oil output remained flat compared to a month earlier at 340,000 barrels daily. This comes on the back of Maduro's ongoing tussles with opposition leader... And U.S.-backed interim President Juan Guaido for control of the opposition-led National Assembly. Those are intensifying as the elections for the parliamentary body approach, which are scheduled to be held on 6 December. The reasons for this conflict are quite simple. 
Maduro's desire to control Venezuela's last independent legislative institution, the National Assembly, which is the only government body that can legally approve oil licensing deals. Venezuela's worsening economic collapse makes it vital for the Maduro regime to revitalize the Latin American country's oil industry, with petroleum being the only real source of income for the beleaguered government. The oil industry is responsible for more than a quarter of Venezuela's GDP and 99% of all exports by value, making it a crucial economic driver. For this reason, the collapse of Venezuela's oil industry has sounded the death knell for its economy, plunging it into deep crisis. This is highlighted by the IMF predicting Venezuela's 2020 GDP will shrink 15% even after contracting by a massive 25% in 2019. So this is bad news for that country because they voted in a socialist. Zero Hedge. Venezuela orders 71 tons of paper. What do they need paper for? To print new banknotes worth 23 cents each. 71 tons of paper, their rate has gone down so much, so much that now they need to reprint everything and they're still only going to be worth 23 cents each. That's exactly, that's exactly what it is. It's worth more as toilet paper than it is as money. That's exactly correct. From Zero Hedge, NBA Finals game, two ratings collapsed 68% to all-time low. <laughs> Game two of the NBA Finals saw a major collapse in viewers with just 4.5 million people. I can't believe that many people tuned in. Those are some not smart people. If you're here, I'm sorry. It's just what I think. This is down 68% from last year's Game 2. 68%. In fact, the ratings made Game 2 the least watched NBA Finals game on record. In response to that, Weasel Zipper says, NBA Commissioner says League will back off social justice next season. Too late. Too late. Okay, I got a lesserick here for you. We'll see if you can figure out what he's talking about. Seems our country has gone to the pigs. They've got four horns and armor for digs. They reproduce fast. They are all built to last. In color, they're likened to figs. So there you go. Wild pig problem. All right, I got one irony for you this week. It's called foul language. Foul language. From the mirror. It's a little longer. Most ironies are one sentence and you get the point. I got to kind of explain it to you. Parrots removed from UK Wildlife Park after they start swearing at customers. A group of parrots at a zoo had to be put back into isolation when they all started swearing at customers after coming out of quarantine. It appears they used their time in isolation teaching each other foul language. Foul language. Swift action had to be taken when they started using obscenities with the guests. Oops. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.